Good morning. It's Saturday morning. That means it's time for Michael Nesco's Renegade Rock here on the Rogue Radio Podcast Network, bringing you all the great music every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And now we have live interviews. And this morning we have the great... I mean, great vocalist from Accept and many other bands, Blacklist Utopia, David Reese. Welcome, David Reese, to Michael Nesco's Renegade Rock. How are you doing, David? Hey, guitar player. How are you doing, Mike? Nice I'm, to hear your voice. Nice hey, to hear you. Doing good. Welcome. So what's new in, 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 uh, what's new and exciting for David Reese? Oh, God. Uh, you know, last year was rough for all of us, right? It sure was. Well, I had just finished... My album, Cacophony of Souls. Which is a great record, by the way. March 13th, 2020. So many great songs on that record. Really good. Oh, thank you. You know, I'd had my release party planned, and all these, I had about 40 shows confirmed, and literally a week from before that, uh, that virus was pretty much, it started in my area, about 30 minutes from where I work, and where I live, and uh, I mean, literally, day, day after day, I was looking at emails of cancellations, uh, they closed down my city, it just was a total nightmare. Very depressing. And, uh, so after about a month of just kind of not even wanting to think or talk to anybody, I, I got got an email from my bass player and he said what are we going to do and i said i don't really know what to do i mean i i nothing but bad news he said well i've you know malta had never really written with us with andy and i and he goes you know i've got a bunch of songs but nobody really wants to like listen to what i have should we start writing songs and i said yeah i've got to do something and to my surprise i i mean the guy is a brilliant songwriter i mean he sent me four or five songs right away that i just grabbed a pen and started writing lyrics to and, and singing into the phone and, and recording and it just kind of exploded from there. So we, we wrote Blacklist Utopia in about a month. Fantastic. The guitar player Andy Sissamil was uh, working on his solo album. And so Anne Malta and I were just kind of working together because Andy was, you know, consumed with that. And then Andy caught wind that we were, you know, working on a new album. He's like, hey, what about me? So Andy came up with the riff uh, I Can't Breathe, uh, American Dream, and Red-Blooded Hellraiser and contributed that. But I also co-wrote with uh, Jimmy Waldo from Alcatraz on the album and Roland contributed to one song from uh, Halloween. So, I mean, the whole recording process and writing process literally took about four weeks. It was crazy. As soon as the studios opened up, I went right into work and tracked all the vocals. So of course. That album, this album, this new one, Blacklist Utopia, went really fast. I mean, that's how I like to work. Me so, too. Exactly. Are, yes. Yeah. You and I are writing songs together, so it's like, I mean, you send me a great riff and boom, you know, I just sit down and get to work. I don't think about it. I just turn it on and start listening you know and, and that's the seems to be the best way i operate that's the beauty of it so that's that's kind of what you know 2020 was for me um you contacting me uh writing with me and then i i was contacted by a group called wicked sensation that i'd done an album with in 2014 they said they were doing a new album and i'm like well okay and they said would you be interested in writing with us and doing a record and i said you know what i'm doing nothing and i've got to survive so right. I, I i said yes and and i was blown away by the tracks i mean the album comes out it's great uh, 17th and it's it's really doing well and, and I, I mean these guys are great songwriters 
Fantastic stuff. Then I got, it's been a crazy, it was a crazy year because um, Jimmy Waldo, the keyboard player from Alcatraz, called me and said that Steve Rosen and he were going to do a record together. And you probably know Steve. Yes. He wrote for Guitar World, Rolling Stone, and and he had interviewed all the the main guitar players around the world his whole life and said, one day I'm going to do an album, would you play on it? And they all agreed to do it. So I was asked by those guys to to write an album. Very cool. I didn't know who was going to play on it. Right. Uh, it was just keyboards and drums, basically, and rhythm guitars. So that album is, the title of that group is called The Highway Sentinels. It's, it's kind of a project thing. But Paul Gilbert's on it. Satriani's on it. I mean, wow. A company of great guitar players. So Unbelievable. You'll probably see the light of day in 2022. But, of course, I'm working with Mike Onesco. You. Hey. We've written, what, six, seven great tracks together? Yes, it's been exciting, too, Dave. Uh, really, it has. You're yeah. you're a fantastic vocalist. You've opened uh, Thank you. a whole world for me. I mean, I was stuck in my blind side and guitar and groove for so long, and listening and writing with you and your whole ideas, the way you approach your vocals, it's just fantastic. I can't. You and I come from. We're cut from the same cloth, you know. I yeah. mean, we both come from free and humble pie. And yes. All the greats and, and your style is something that, you know, I, I got cut my teeth on, so it was really comfortable for me to just start pinning ideas to yourself. So wow. I'm looking forward to the future of that. You know, we're uh, about halfway there. So Yes, and, you know, we're going to start tracking tunes for the Blindside Blues Band disc part of this uh, in January, and then as soon as we get those done, we're going to track the, the, the 10 tunes for our disc, the 10 or 11 tunes for our disc, and then take it from there. Right. Yeah, exciting. I look forward to it. I have never been so inspired writing uh, just lately. I mean, when you started sending me lyrics, I think our first song was uh, All My Life, right? Uh, I think so. Yes. Yeah. Save My Life. Save My Life, right, boy. Yeah, Save My Life. That was the first one. That one had a, that was cool. That had kind of a Kenny Wayne Shepherd groove to it. Yes. You know, I really liked his style, and that one just sparked me right away. And, uh, yeah. I was really lucky, you know. I was, I'm, I've been really blessed to have great guitar players like you in my life. I mean, I, 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 well, I, myself thank you for the compliment. You know? I don't consider myself a great you guitar are. player. I just consider myself like a hack, just some guy doing what I'm doing, you know. But anyway. It's, uh, you know, it's hard to find your own identity, but you definitely paid your dues, and, and Everybody knows who you are, and they know what kind of guitar player you are. So kudos to you. I mean, there's well, a thank lot you. Of guys out there ripping up the guitar neck. Yes, definitely. They don't make any sense to me as you know musicians, but you guys, there's there's certain guys that stick out, and, and uh, you definitely got it. Wow, well, I appreciate that, David. That means a lot because uh, you're a great vocalist. I mean, to, to be honest, I was not a big follower of the '80s metal scene, and I I knew of except you know with Udo and uh, Balls to the Wall, and then I, I then I. I did listen to Eat the Heat. That's your debut with them, right? Yeah, that's the one I did, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I was like, wow, this is great. But I really didn't know anything about you until, you know, you were touring uh, with your solo band in 2019. And then I just started studying up on you. You're from Oklahoma, right? Yes, I am. Yeah, originally, yeah. And then I, I moved to uh, Minneapolis. My dad was uh, a chemist. Wow. And, uh, well, we're basically a bunch of redneck farmers. So we, <laughs> we decided to get into school and... and do something that way and we were he was laid off i remember philip 66 gas stations he was a chemist for them wow that's 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 i remember that yeah in minneapolis how long were you there for uh, we went there when i was about nine or ten years old 
And uh, that's that's where I got my musical start. I, I started doing clubs when I was about 15. So who who was the first singer that inspired you to sing? You know, I, my first two rock albums that I bought were uh, Deep Purple, Machine Head, and Alice Cooper, School's Out. Yeah. <laughs> and then, I mean, I, on the Deep Purple album, I wasn't a Smoke on the Water fan. I heard it a million times a day. But Ian Gillen. to the B-sides, like Pictures of Home. And yeah, that's a great yeah, tune. I was like, Cat. Ian Gillen just knocked me on my ass. He was so great. And, and he, he still is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Gillen. And then I, I kind of graduated into Bad Company in the early 70s. And, of course, Paul Rogers would be right up there. And Frankie Miller. Yeah, Frankie Miller. Wasn't he almost in Zeppelin? Yeah, I mean, first band, I was a guy I was sharing an apartment with was in a band and I was in the shower and I had a little AM radio and I was singing along the communication breakdown and <laughs> he literally opened the shower and said dude you can sing you want to sing in my band and I'm like sure I'll try it wow <laughs> that's cool next thing you know I'm playing honey songs and beer beer parties and, and then that's how it all kind of kicked off so yeah Zeppelin's been a, a big influence in my life big, you, you have a lot of you sound uh, like it, it just my short uh Association with you and listening to your stuff, I hear some of Steve Marriott and and some David Byron in there also from Uriah Heep. Yeah, Byron's also another one. Uh, unknown. Yeah, he's he's probably one of the greatest unknown singers that ever lived. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Fabulous singer. I mean, Uriah Heep is is uh, over here in Europe are are still kicking ass. I mean, they they just launched a sixty day tour a sixty day tour. I think sixty day tour in twenty twenty two. Yeah. Yeah, they're doing really well. They were a big influence on me, very big. I got I got started, you know, in Minnesota in the Twin Cities, uh, and in those days it was the late seventies. Probably the same for you. It was it was you played every night. I graduated from that first band into a group called Dare Force, and we, we literally played six seven nights a week, you know, five hours a night. We traveled all over the United States and Canada playing cover songs, and whenever we could squeeze in some of our own songs, you know, the band could have been really big i felt in that time period right they were comfortable you know making 150 bucks a week and being big shots in a small pond you know? isn't that crazy i really thought the band was going <laughs> to la because that was the, the time everything was exploding so i went to la i mean i saw molly Cruz's first gig at the whiskey then i went back to minneapolis and rejoined the band and continued on with that for a few years but then i went back to california and i worked with uh, mitch perry uh from talus and michael shanker cool we had done some demos and nothing really happened and then out of the blue i got a phone call from the guys that accept they had gotten my cassette from those demos and we really like your voice blah 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 would you be interested in audition? So that's how that all part of my life happened. That was 1988. And, uh, and here you are. And, and you're like a, you're a juggernaut. You have so many things going right now. I, I can't keep track of them. And they're all, I mean, it's not subpar stuff. They're all just really, it's hard to choose which one is the best. <laughs> is uh, you know I really got tired of being in bands you know right the band thing right it's not like 
being in a band is, is it's not really a democracy. I know that. We've had this like fantasy that we're all a family and stuff. But like you are, you're a lead guy in your band, and and I just felt like you know what, it's time for me to step out on my own. And and so I've I've done like three solo albums in the last three years. And what changed was COVID. You know, I mean, I I had a day job in Denmark. That was a three month stint. But you know, I have to survive. So I was asked to do these other projects. But I tried to apply my what's best to the songs when they're submitted to me. You know, and right. they are different. All of the projects, but I mean, I really don't want to be in multiple multiple acts. You know, because you you get kind of a reputation of oh, he's on that record now. Oh, what's he doing now? Right. So out of survival necessity, I was blessed to be asked to do that because everybody I know was sitting at home twiddling the thumbs. And you got to keep your chops up, so you know, and, and get paid. Yeah, yeah, and then that's another good. Yeah, you know, it's like playing guitar. I mean, if, if I don't sing all the time, I, I get rusty. It's it's a muscle, you know. And at my age, it, it's wait it's till an ongoing process. Wait till you get my age. That was one of the questions I wanted to ask you, Dave. If, if, if because you're you're a high powered metal singer, and I always wondered, like when I'm touring with my band, just singing my blues rock stuff night after night. It's you know a struggle for me to keep fresh and and without destroying my voice how do you guys do that every night singing at the level that you're doing how do you keep your voice in shape every night well i I did the right thing as a kid you know i took vocal lessons i don't smoke uh i'm completely sober good for you to drink too much and i quit that it's been over three years now we all did and i think the alcohol thing was an anxiety thing for me i felt like i had to have a few before i went on stage to loosen up but it was really actually not doing me any good not at all. Um, but I, since I've stopped drinking, I, I've improved. But with my age, I'm 61. I I realize, you know, I've lost an octave probably in my range. And you learn, you know, by working. Like if you don't work at your craft, you don't realize your weak your weaknesses and your strengths. So I try to capitalize on what works really well and what doesn't. Because I don't scream the big high notes anymore, and I don't want to. I mean, I don't think, especially men, should be singing like girls. I think <laughs> you should use your voice like a male does. Like say Paul Rogers. You know they've they've maintained using what they have, yes, and using those moments. Davy really deliver what is needed. But if you listen to like David Bowie and guys like that, they 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 use that color of their voice, which I'm trying to do. But it, you know it's a challenge. I mean, if you're doing 20 shows in a row and you're driving every day, you know what it's like. You know you don't sleep well. No, um, you don't. I try, I try to eat right. I try to sleep as much as possible. Um, do you have any ex? Do you have exercises you do every morning before you or Go. Uh, well, well, like when I'm recording, like tonight I'm I'm doing a session for uh, I'm writing some songs for James Christian from House of Lords, and I'll I'll spend a couple of hours before I go to the studio just singing like a step lower to warm up. But I, I try to sing every day. I, I see if I find that I'm more uh, lucid and, and more relaxed right when I wake up. It's the weirdest thing. I get up really early every day and I'll start singing, and it seems like my voice is strongest right when I wake up. And really? Wow, that's interesting. I've had to talk, you know, for a few hours, and then I kind of loosen it up again, and then I, in the middle of the afternoon, I get back into that power area. Yeah, that's where it is for me, too. It's a strange thing. It is, but it's cool. I mean, uh, I, I just was always amazed in how you could do that every night, the high-powered, and, and and as you get older, it's even tougher, but uh, you're, you're, the way you've adapted has been fantastic, I think. Your arrangements... I've lost, I've lost, 
I've lost, like I said, you know, probably an octave in my range, but I mean, it's a muscle, you know, and with age, it's like a sports activity, right? Exactly. It's a contact sport. So, but I think the best thing for a singer is sleep and uh, try to not let the anxiety get in your head and all. I think singing is probably 99% attitude. I mean, you just go out there and do it and not, if you don't feel very good, if you let it get a hold of you, you know, you'll probably know what I mean. If you're not, if you got a cold or something, right. like, oh God, how am I going to sing tonight? Uh, if you really start worrying about it, it makes it worse. It does. So I've learned. I agree. <laughs> you know, if I sit here and panic about it, there's nothing I can do about it. We've got to work. You know, fake it till you make it. You know, right. write a few lines here and there. Let the audience sing along. Well, my anxiety used to get so bad that it would actually affect my singing, and I would get stressed out, and then my voice would, I would lose my voice almost. Did that ever happen to you? Uh, yeah, I've had moments where I've had uh, laryngitis, or, you know, I used to do a lot of cocaine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that didn't help. <laughs> you know, you stay up all night talking and running your mouth and, and uh, right. rest. I mean, yeah, it uh, has this, an adverse effect on you. I think a lot of it's, you know, just, hey, I can do this, calm down, talk to yourself, drink some tea, try not to talk too much, you know, during the day, try to rest, and then do the show, and then go right back to bed. Cover your neck. I wear a scarf all the time. I mean, a lot of singers don't realize, even like after a gig in the summer, your neck is exposed with the sweat. Sure. So that muscle is directly attacked by the conditions that you're exposed to. So you're giving me new tips here that I'm going to listen to and follow. (laughs) Well, it's, it's... it's like guitar players. I mean, you wouldn't hammering nails all day, you know, if you hit your index finger or whatever, you know, on your left hand. It's kind of hard to put your finger down on the front. So, very exciting. This is Michael Nesco. This is Michael Nesco's Renegade Rock. We're talking to the fantastic, great rock vocalist David Reese from very many bands, Bangalore Choir, except he was in Dare Force. He was in, he's got a whole bunch of new projects out blacklist utopia his own david reese solo stuff he's going to be doing some stuff with my band the blindside blues band so we're excited to have david we're going to play a track called i can't breathe and we'll be right back on michael nesco's renegade rock
Hi, this is Michael Nesco. We're back on Renegade Rock with rock vocalist David Reese. Great rock. Glad to have you back, David. How are you doing? I'm good. Enjoying our chat. So, uh, you asked earlier, I live in Italy. Uh, I'm married to an Italian lady. Great country, uh, by the way. Oh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, very happily married. Uh, good, solid home base. Good for you, man. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a good thing, too, because my fan base is pretty strong in Europe. So it makes it also easy for me to travel and, and do what I do uh, over here. I have lived in Germany a few times, and uh, especially when I was in Accept, I was there for about two years, and then I went back to Germany and lived for a few years. But uh, which is cool. Yeah, I'm grounded here, and I, I miss America. But you know, from what I see going on politically there, and 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 the country, it, it kind of worries me. It seems like America's it's more it's more than worried. <laughs> I don't really know what's going on. It's like that's like my album, Blacklist Utopia. The title last year, I was I was reading. Some chat rooms and i was being accused of being a racist yeah i i, I heard yeah. that yeah which is baloney horrible. it's baloney that's baloney yeah i mean half of my family is mixed race i mean i've got mixed race in me and where does this come from it was actually a guy who was booking me who had started the rumor who's a singer himself it was one of these jealousy things i got this weird phone call one day and they wanted me to do a public apology what to a major magazine and i said absolutely i will not do that i never i, I that's not who i am so this whole woke culture has gone insane over you because i i, I lean on the further to the right than i do the middle right i'm with you values. i'm i'm right there with the you album, well the album you know blacklist utopia i realized it seems like the the world is seeking some type of utopia and and in my opinion i don't think if they get there they'll be satisfied you know it's got and so out of control and I realized if you have an opinion on this side or that side either side's going to blacklist you that's right gonna, so I just kind of had this weird idea the blacklist utopia you know and I was like that's the album title you know, and I was so angry about that racist thing that happened. Um, it came out of nowhere. It was bad. I mean, I was getting emails, and my brother's daughter is married to a black man. All my nieces are, are you know, mixed race. My granddaughter is Blackfoot Indian. I, and I'm just like, what is this all about? And it was because I was supporting Donald Trump. Of course. I said, hey, wait a minute. You know, <laughs> hey. that doesn't make me a racist. Well, so what is what is the story behind I can't breathe? Is that related to that? Yeah. I mean, see, the, the thing about I can't breathe, George Floyd, I don't agree with what happened to him. I thought that was terrible. Now, that whole neighborhood that was burned down was where I started my musical career. Really? It was on Lake Street in Minneapolis. And I have family that lived there. I was worried about them. I'm watching my city burn to the ground. Jeez. Basically, I can't breathe is my interpretation of after being accused of being racist and all these things. I'm starting to choke reading social media. I don't even watch television anymore. Join the and club. That's my spin on I can't breathe. Oh. It's not it's not about George Floyd. I didn't think so. Me, I can't take it anymore. So I basically just try to focus on music, hanging out with cool guys like you writing rock and roll songs. And if people think that I'm this or that, I don't care. You're entitled to your opinion. My lyrics are subjective. However you interpret them, that's your your thing. You know, I, I'm not writing saying this is the way the world should be. Your lyrics are but, brilliant. I love your lyrics. I'm, I'm inspired by your lyrics. I am. It's like there was a lot to write about the last few years. Yeah. <laughs> and, 
It was inspirational. Yeah, some of my record, Blacklist Utopia, is a political statements in there that things that I do think about, but it doesn't mean that I'm right. It's just your opinion. Uh, American, you know, the ballot is American dream. It's like I, I, my father taught me, if you can be whatever you want in America, as long as you apply yourself. And work hard. Work hard and win hard. I've always had that kind of ethic from my mother and father. What I see is people expecting to be taken care of. Oh, it's bad. Nobody owes you anything in life. That's and why, I, I, yes, I wrote a song called Gravy Train. <laughs> it's about, yeah. the, about those people, yeah. Living off us workers, right. The best way to start my day is to wake up and believe in myself because nobody else is going to unless I do. If I believe in myself, then, then I think it translates in people believing in what I try to do. So I try to, and that's the only advice I can give everybody. If you don't believe in anything, just try believing in yourself. Very good advice. I mean, if you have no self-esteem, where, where are you going to go, right? Right. The music business is probably one of the worst businesses <laughs> to be in to maintain a, a healthy self-esteem because it totally in the ball. <laughs> I know there you are you're you're letting all your feelings and everything out and then people are just like rejecting it and you're going oh my god what's yeah, that what's you got some guy saying um you know say you write some really good songs and everybody goes oh mike that's some of your best stuff wow this is great and then you play it for the record company and they go nah i don't like it nah. and then you're kind of subjected to that opinion you have to go through all that political stuff you know to get your record release and i mean it's not an easy game it isn't it was easy all of us would be famous <laughs> you know what I mean? no kidding and finding a good label that's the key and it's not easy i mean everybody all the labels are in a tailspin right now i mean i was just this wicked sensation album that i did the vinyl was supposed to come out with the cd well i just learned that taylor swift you know is doing a four vinyl release uh box set and adele is releasing a new album so all of the major labels basically bought up the supply of vinyl to press for them and with covid a lot of the factories are short on employees with the uh, oil production that's been stopped in around the world that's your basic component of pvc right vinyl yes it's a limited market anyways so what else can go wrong i just got an email today that they postponed the vinyl for that album until the middle of january which is a month late and when your fans pre-order the album they expect their product i know your family's in italy but boy you you could play all over america right now i mean there's concerts going on everywhere i would have to get an american band though because most promoters know that i live here right aren't going to spend the money to fly over the guys that i play with which is fine with me i'd play with american guys Right. But at every time it seems to get kind of close to something happening, it kind of falls through. It's really frustrating. I can dig it, man. I'm the same way. I mean, it, it's so hard for me to take the whole blindside blues band to Europe because who can afford to pay for, you know, four or five plane tickets plus hotels and, and rooms and all that? Nobody anymore. So people say, well, why don't you come over here and just use a European band, you know? Well, that, that's an alternative. It is. A lot of guys are one thing that's happening in Europe is with COVID is that they've restricted the attendance in the clubs, so they're down to about 30%. So they're barely able to keep the doors open. And even and pay the artists, right? What you end up having happen is there's a lot of really young bands that are really good that can actually play for free, and they're young enough to do it where they don't have to house to pay for or a family. And they'll bring 200 of their friends and drink all the beer in the club, and the club owner makes money. <laughs> so if you have a professional act like like you or me, where you have to have a budget. Right. They can't afford, they want you to play, but they just logistically can't make it happen and financially. So mm -hmm. there's so many things right now that are gone 
crazy with COVID. Uh, all the shows are pushed until next year. And that's not for sure, you know. Well, what are they going to come up yeah, with next year, right? Exactly. And and another thing that's bad about it is all the tours that were canceled, now everybody and their brother is trying to reschedule in the open hole that's available. So the competition is just unbelievable. Crazy times. We're talking to David Reese from Accept Bangalore Choir, Dare Force, many bands here on Mike Onesco's Renegade Rock and having a great time. David, tell us more. We got about 15 more minutes to go here. All I can say is uh, I'm really excited about working with Mike Onesco. You're a great guitar player. Well, thank you. Uh, we've got about six or seven uh, demoed out right now. I think we're going to have to write it on the, you know, seven songs maybe. And I'm just waiting for you to finish your uh, blues record because it's going to be a double album set, right? Right. It's going to be a double album. Blindside Blues okay. Band, uh, one disc with me singing, and then the other will be Blindside Blues Band with David Reese singing. Great. It's going to be fantastic. I've got a pile of your riffs that are here in my piles, and I'm kind of just waiting for you to organize those tracks so I can complete what I'm doing and get back in and re-sing what I demoed. I just went through all of them, so I'm excited. I, I'm I'm to, I'm refamiliarizing. That was a long time ago. We wrote those, you know, and sent those out. When did we start this thing? It was like July last year, right? Maybe maybe June. I I think maybe even I don't know. It was right around there. Yeah, right in the summer. How do we connect? Was it through uh, Martin uh, Yepsen Anderson? Yes, I, I had seen. I, yes, I had seen Martin was touring with you, and uh, and then I just started following your stuff and your solo stuff, and I go, "Wow, this guy's great!" And then I became <laughs> jealous that Martin was touring with you, and but I was happy for him at the same time. And then uh, I think I just sent you a message on Facebook, and and here we are doing a record. You told me about you a bunch of times on. On tour when we did the UDO tour, we were opening for Udo Dirk Schneider. And he he, he, he's the original singer from Except, right? Yeah, he had talked about you in the dressing room a few times, and, and that's how I got to know you. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah, I was like, that guy can play great. And he goes, Yeah, I really love doing this. I got it when I get home, I'm going to do some more guitar tracks. And then, strangely, you wrote me on Facebook, and that's how we developed this relationship. That's the good thing about social media. It really is. There's a lot of bad things about it, but a lot of good things have happened through just Facebook. I've got all my tours on in Europe uh, through Facebook. It's crazy. Yeah. So. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, there is some good, there is some light at the end of the tunnel. Yes, I, I'm really looking forward to the great divide. That just sticks in my head. I It's just exactly what's going on in today's world. It's a good song. I can't wait to do it. I played it for uh, a guy that I work with, a vocal producer that I use all the time. I'll be singing tonight and he looked at me and he goes, dum, dum, and he goes, oh, that's got a real free vibe to it. And he heard the vocals and he goes, oh, this is great. Wow, cool. And I said, I think I'm going to do the album, all the vocals with him, because he's an amazing, his name is Mario Percadani. He owns uh, Tanzan Studios. Cool. He's just a, an amazing singer and guitarist, and he really, really pushes me, because I used to have a studio at home. What I found as a singer was I'd go in and track, and I'd say, oh, that's great. And then 
I would play it for people and they'd go, ah, I'm not buying it. So I forced myself to go outside of my little world because I need somebody behind the glass. With a different view, right. Yeah, sell me the fucking song. You know what I mean? I'm not buying it. You know, and they go, come on, man. They go, no, Reese, you can sing it better. Exactly. I need that. I need that. I do too. I I think we all do. And, and, And for me, the better the musicians I'm performing with, it just inspires me to play better. I mean... Yeah. So work, working with somebody like you has just raised my playing, which is just normally average. Just and I, it's not my playing. I'm, I'm I'm more happy with the songs. That's what I'm. The songs. That's the important thing for me. The song, guitar solos. That's fine and all that. But the song. Yeah. How do you like your uh, your new house? Are you moved in? I'm all moved in. I'm doing the interview right down in my studio, in my basement right now, and just digging. The dogs are sleeping on the couch right next to me, and uh, right. life is good. I'm I I can't uh, tell tell you how happy I am right now with my life. I'm I'm making records, good. talking to you, making records with you, working for myself. I mean, life is good. My daughter's doing great. I'm happy. God bless you, brother. God bless you too, David. Thank you for doing this interview, and I can't wait to get started on our record. It's going to be fantastic. Won't be that long. It won't be. I know. It'll be here before you know it. (laughs) Boy, it'd be nice to do some shows in Europe with you you, uh, next year. Yeah, I mean... You've got the Polish connection. I've, I've done a bunch of gigs in Czech Republic and Poland, and, and uh, I actually did some Polish press the other day. I was talking about you, and uh, the journalists knew who you were. Really? Wow. Who knows? I mean, who knows what could happen? Who knows what's going to happen? Anything to say to our listeners? One last word from David Reese to our Renegade Rock listeners across the world. Thank you. Thank you, Mike, and, and I wish you all the best, and we'll be in touch, I'm sure, in the next few weeks. Okay, Dave. Excited to have David. We're going to play a track on Michael Nesco's Renegade Rock. <laughs> 